And hello, everyone. Welcome to the Two Back Set Podcast, where we talk college football with a focus on the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Texas Longhorns. I'm the Iowa Hawkeye host, Thomas Ulmer, a.k.a. Mr. Warper. Joining me is Patrick, a.k.a. Mr. Fusion. Welcome, Lawrence. That's all I can say right now. I mean, we get a week off. We're coming back in. You know, hey, going into U of H, into that tiny stadium in Houston that's going to be 90% Longhorn fans. So, yeah, you know, hey. Yeah. This is where they make their march to the college football playoff. Well, at first, it's Big 12 championship. That's true. Because as of right now, Oklahoma's in the driver's seat. Yeah, they are. They are. So, of course, we are here on, uh, what was it? It's the 19th of October. Sorry, it's the end of the day, and it's been a long day. Uh, We're prepping for week eight, as well as doing a little recap of week seven to start with. Speaking of Houston, that finish last week was absolutely insane with the tipped Hail Mary and just... That was one of the flukiest plays I've ever seen. That, and I've seen that, some weird ones. That catch saved Dana Holgerson's job because he is well for now. It's probably ain't for, gonna for very long. For a week, he got a one week reprieve. Let's just face it; he's going. To, they're going to lose against Texas, so they're not going to fire him after this game. Now, in the next week or so, but I don't think at this point they're just like screw it. Let him play. Let him coach out the season. You know, but yeah. Yeah, that 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 had they they because you know when that game started they were getting wiped they were West Virginia was wiping the floor with them and they came back so I mean yeah that that was just a hell of a hell of a finish of a game man oh man yeah it's one of the reasons you watch college football is finishes like that not as good as that final drive by Michael Penix in Washington to take the lead oh it's so good but I wanted to quick make a point the that's why you watch college football because those finishes Western you know and like Stanford Colorado. Those finishes happen once a week in college football. They maybe happen once a season in the NFL. And then you get the once in a generation shit, like what happened last year with Minnesota, where they came back from how many? Was it 34? I think it was 34. It was absolute insanity. And that's what you watch college football for, is is games like that. And Stanford, Colorado, I mean, what a second half. That was awesome. Uh, At least from Stanford's side. Um, So yeah, like you said, Penix. Is it Penix? Yeah, it's Penix. Penix. Yeah, big, 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 I can't believe Desmond Howard dropping big oh, Penix man. energy. Come on, dude. You had to know that's not going to be good on a soundbite. You got to say the E correctly. It's yeah. like pen, not peen. Come on. All right. But you so, know what? NFL fans are going to love him. Oh, yeah. Gonna for be a, gonna be sure. There's going to be a ton of Penix jokes. That are oh, be you made. absolutely know it. And he cements his status as the Heisman frontrunner. Um, I do think the next guy closest on his heels is someone who's been discounted for now. But now that he's got his primary target back, Drake May is still sitting there. I mean, you have to open up the talk conversation just because I think I I, I said this before. I, I get why Caleb Williams was the favorite last year because there weren't a lot of there wasn't a lot of really top tier Heisman candidacies to like players out there to say okay they're worthy of it. It was just tailor made for him. This year is a very different year for not just like talent overall but quarterbacks there's there's a ton of quarterbacks that, that are in that conversation right? and mean, a punter just, just uh, say punter. just yep. say I mean, he's, he's, that's he's, a joke but i'm just look, saying look look, look 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 if anyone in iowa deserves a two million dollar a year nil it's the fucking punter. and he can't even make field. money because of right? the uh, international rules which really sucks it should be able to go like into a, a he, trust he, or something he, for that him, that right? would be great or he just gives it all to charity anyway he that does uh, cool. every kick counts, I think, which is a prenatal like checkup charity, like to make yeah. sure the you know, heartbeat's being checked and stuff when the, you know, when the child's pretty early in the pregnancy. So. And you guys have a really great dynamic of the hospital, right? Oh there. yeah, it's awesome. 
the whole, the every, whole thing. A bunch every, of players give their money to the to the hospital, which is pretty cool. But I, but I think it's cool that you know both both squads and their fans turn around and, and celebrate with you know. Yeah, it's a great tradition. Speaking that's, of traditions really, with Heisman, yeah. I wanted to get back to the UNC discussion because sure. sure. now that Tez Walker's back, yep. back half of the season, North Carolina's going to be in some more high profile games. Drake May is going to have a chance to make his mark for for sure. But it still irks me that the Heisman is awarded before the postseason. Yeah. Because the stats count in the postseason, which is what's really, the record books are going to be absolutely insane next year with extra games, right? So are we going to continue counting these stats? Because if you do, that's two extra games. So like rushing stats, passing yard stats, attempt stats, it's, it's all going to be ballooned. Yep. Do we just Or do we just make a clean demarcation you know, this is this era of college football for records. That's going to be why. I, I think I think it's going to be the they're going to. My thought is they're going to only count regular season record like stats. Because they the used to, stats, and they're going to call it you know pre big pre 12, 12 team tournament era is what they'll call it. Or, yeah, because know, I like, want to say it was yeah. right after Sanders left Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, Barry Sanders, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. it was right after his career is when they kind of like went back to starting counting postseason games. Yeah, because you before know? that, they it was only regular season stats. Yeah, yeah, bowl games didn't count, and there was far fewer bowl games. Yep. You know, so now there's a lot more, and we started counting them. So that's definitely a off season conversation, but one I just was like, oh, that's gonna be crazy. But yeah, anybody else for the Heisman conversation jumping out at you beyond like who could catch Michael Penix right now? Um... I mean, Caleb Williams is still going to be in the mix. Uh, what's his name over at Florida State? The uh, tra- is it oh God, I know his Jordan Travis or Travis Jordan. Travis Jordan. That sounds right. I'm like, I'm like, am I getting you swapped out? I think he's still in the mix. I think, I think Florida State. It's going to be an interesting ACC uh, title game because Jordan Travis. Be- Jordan Travis. If it's North Carolina, Florida State, holy cow, that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be. Potentially the oh. premier conference championship game. But you look at the ACC overall. I mean, you have Louisville, who I know they lost last week, but then the week before they they upset uh, Notre Dame, right? It was Notre Dame that they yeah they get they got Jeff Brown. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Brown. That's right. So like that, Duke's actually five and one. They look really solid. Clemson's on the rise. Their defense is really good. Miami's lost two games, but they're kind of like, hey, they're still they're back in the top twenty five. Like the ACC is making some waves right now. But like I think the dust, like the whole madness, the the back half of the schedule is taking place now. Same thing with the Pac-12. Like it's hard to say, man. Outside of Drake May, at this point, I say Caleb Williams just will still be in the yeah, mix. Yeah, because he could but, play back into it for sure. Yeah, he he would have to really, and don't be shocked if Lincoln Riley puts him in a position to really pad his stats. But it's really at this point Michael Penix Jr.'s uh, Heisman to lose. I really think that. I really think it's his to lose. Yeah. Agreed. And that was your preseason pick. Yep. Yep. I also told you don't sleep on Washington. Washington overall, man, they're yeah, great they're, team. I mean, even though they lost their two top running backs, they they pieced Neil the running game, but he is Penix is throwing the shit out of that ball. They have three really good big receivers, uh, and their defense gets. They're not they're not a big defense, but they're very speedy, kind of like that old Texas defense that won the national championship, where they would get to the ball really fast. And that's hey, man, it it's. 
it's led to success for Washington. Good for them. But yeah, Penix is my. I, I'm sticking with this guy all the way through. Shador Sanders was a bit surprised, a bit surprising the first few weeks, but Colorado's come back down to earth. You know, they just don't have they don't have the bodies, man. But they not having have an offensive bodies. line will do. Yeah, and I hope yeah. I hope it doesn't hurt his development because taking that many hits certainly can. Now it's possible he may come back next year. There's talk about that because apparently he's going to make just under three million dollars in NIL. It helps that your dad's getting a boatload. That, that you're appearing in a lot of commercials with your dad. It doesn't hurt him, right? But apparently he's getting like three million, almost three million in NIL. Why would he want to go when he can play potentially play for a national championship next year? You know, if the cards fall with transfers and a really good recruiting class, Colorado. Could be like we we keep saying this the darling of the big of the of the new Big Twelve next year and I mean you know why would you want to go I'm sure Dion doesn't want him to go because he would have to go scramble and find a quarterback next year but whatever man that's that's the business of college football the recruiting side right but I still think he is a dark horse for the Heisman but I think Drake May has leapfrogged quite a few people including yes. Caleb Williams at this point. Yeah. Yeah, especially on that Tez Walker, you know, like, yeah, I'm that dude. Oh, yeah. And that's why Mac Brown oh, yeah. was going to the yeah. mat for me. Right. Like UNC, you're like, hey, really good offense. Okay. You give him a legit number one receiver and look what you get out of Drake May. You yeah. get you get top tier quarterbacking, which like I told you beforehand, he is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Drake yeah. May has he's my one of my like, God, I hope the Vikings don't play their way out of drafting him. God, oh, I hope man. they don't. Especially now, hey, Cleveland might need a starter. Indianapolis needs a starter. Hey, somebody wants to call about Kirk Cousins. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be mad. Right. Get that contract off the books. Get at least a, what, what a third round pick. For yeah, him. just That's start get building some lineup. assets to package to package stuff. You know, that'd be totally fine with me. But uh, moving on to stuff that's not totally fine. Michigan back under NCAA investigation. Oh, this man. broke this afternoon. Uh, the NCAA is investigating them sending scouts to opposing oppo- a future opponents' games. To steal signals, which is against NCAA rules. Yes. Stealing signals itself, not against rules. You can do that in-game, barring electronic interference. Like, you can't intercept radio calls and things like that. But if you figure out what they're calling, they don't care. And they shouldn't. But they do draw the line at sending, like, paid staffers or even just volunteer staffers and be like, hey, go report back to us about what the other team is doing. Right. That is over the line as far as the NCAA is concerned. They have informed the conference who has in turn put out a statement. Whoa, my light changed. What the heck? Whoa. Hang on, let me restart Whoa. these. There we go. Back to normal. That was wild. Um, and so the Big Ten has put out a statement as well as informed Michigan's future opponents that they have engaged, potentially at least, engaged in this activity. Right. Both that statement and the NCAA telling the conference tells me they think they got something. And they might not. The NCAA has, of course, proven themselves to not be all that competent sometimes in investigations. But this one feels different. The fact that they called Michigan State to warn them ahead of their game uh, so that it gives them preemptive measures to change their their play calling and their signals, I think that that, I think I think the NCAA thinks they have something on Harbaugh here. I do. And I know it's come out a little few minutes ago that he's quote unquote shocked to hear about this, but I mean, come on, man. If, if there's, if, if, if it's a volunteer that's preemptively going out there, voluntarily going out there to opponents, uh, practices and games and scouting on just like, I don't know the methods. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm an Astros fan. 
half of MLB was doing the digital sign stealing stuff, like all that stuff. I think that's where people were drawing the line is like, hey, how you're the means to which you're getting that information and passing along instantaneously was a problem in baseball. Well, this is the thing with the NCAA. They're saying like, look, you're doing it in game. That's hey, man, that's their problem to figure out, right? But if you're going out there sending someone the week before to your upcoming opponent's uh, game, whether they're maybe visiting somewhere else or at home, and you're like basically spying, uh, yeah, I can see how that's a problem. And sign stealing, I can go in a whole tirade about that. I'm not going to, man, just because I think it's, it's might be a little tinged because of the Astros situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you and I have had this conversation, and one day we can talk about, like, the whole unpacking of that saga, which revealed, revealed a lot more about baseball in general. But someone that's worked in the media, I will tell you this. Sign stealing around sports, I'll be quite frank with you, happens all the fucking time. The the stuff with the Patriots, the videotaping of the practice. Well, shit, NBC and all that stuff. last week captured the Saints' entire play calling sheet. Right. On video. I mean, High def. I mean, and what what do you think happens to that information? Someone yeah, they, obviously they would. Best. They would. Yeah, and obviously the play, the coach is going to go in and change the, you know, the checks yeah. and stuff. But still, that it's, stuff can happen see, inadvertently. It's up to an organization, a team's uh, responsibility to have preempt, like not preemptive, but backup measures to change things on the fly. Right. That's 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 just a part of the sport because every team in every sport wants to find a way to get an edge, and that's that's really it. I mean, that's always happened in every sport, and. But I understand the NCAA's rule about this is saying, okay, okay, fine. But if you're paying people or having someone volunteer to travel somewhere, go on site, buy a ticket, bring a recording device or notes, something to take down the information, then we have a problem with it. I mean, because you're there, you're getting an edge on another team that may not be doing that. They may be focusing on their current week and. All, like there's a whole layer of things that you can unpack with it, man. I I just I I don't I don't want to go on a, like a, a a sign stealing tirade at all. But I will say this: uh, I understand their rule, and like you said, for them to go and say call the you know Michigan State to open this inv- investigation immediately, something ha- like I don't know if another team found out or if someone spoke up, but. We're going to find out in the coming days what, what happened there. And that strike two against Harbaugh in the same season, man. That's yeah. a bad look for John And, it, and it puts some different things in context that have happened in the past year in terms right. of what other people have said about Michigan. Now, like, right. I watch a lot of Iowa games. So, like, I hear people, you know, like, Iowa knows what you're going to run. And and for my take, from, from the context of just hearing how people talk about it, it's just because Phil Parker is that good. Like, right. he can diagnose plays. The team is so fundamentally sound. They don't do anything different for a different opponent, by and large. They might every here and there, but generally it's the same thing every week. They're just that, like, that fundamentally good. What I've seen in a few different interviews, like, you know, the Athletic does those anonymous coach interviews and things like that. Yep. You had several yep. people be like, uh, yeah, they seem to know what we're doing a lot. And there was always right. that, like, tone of, yeah, that's weird. Greg Schiano earlier this year, Rutgers is down seven at halftime. And the reporter asks him about penalties in the first half, and he completely sidesteps it and goes, yeah, there's some things happening on the field we need to figure out, and just stops talking. Right. Like, whoa, that. And it, the tone was different, too. Like, it just felt like they were pissed. Yeah. You know? Like, nobody's getting pissed at, I mean, they're getting frustrated, but nobody's getting like, mad at Phil Parker for just having a good D, right, and being in the right position. Right. But 
it certainly feels like other coaches are mad at what Michigan has done, which tells me they think it's legit too. Right. And that makes me brings me to my next question, which is, does this impact this season's end, like post game, post season? What do you think? Do you think the NCAA would have, like, if they can prove it and bring their evidence either publicly or you know send down infraction like like punishments? Do you think it affects this postseason? I I would think if the NCAA was going to be as aggressive as they were with the whole gambling stuff with Iowa and Iowa State, something would happen. But here's the reality of it is they make a fuck ton of money off of Michigan being in, being in the mix for the playoff. NCAA doesn't. They don't control any of it. I'm talking it well. No, they get a portion. They get a yeah, portion but they don't. They they don't run the CFP and and all oh, these no, other no. things. I'm talking about. I'm talking. Oh about yeah, the for merch. sure. Oh, like, the merch. like don't get me wrong. Yeah, just indirectly yeah. they make money. The brand from it's not from like March Madness, brand. right? Yeah, the the from the brand the NCAA makes money. Yeah, and and you know, Michigan is a premier legacy college football team, and for them to be in the mix makes a lot of sense. If you pull the rug completely under them right now and say like, oh, we found enough evidence to say. They were doing it this season. The rest of the games are be going to be played in protest. They're not going to count. They're not going to be. If you do all, they can't. They can't go play in the Big Ten title game. Like, I just think like I can see madness ensue because of that, right? And I'll be honest here. I've learned. I've done this, and I did this enough covering sports to tell you this: if one team is doing something, multiple teams are doing something, right? And so. If Michigan's doing this, it's safe to say there are other big big programs out there doing the same damn thing. Oh yeah, much like the gambling do, stuff. Do they want do they want to risk Harbaugh speaking up about that? Because I'm sure he knows if there's what I'm sure he has an idea of which programs are doing the same thing, you know? And so do you want that can of worms opened up right now as you're marching towards another big playoff with you know, so much on the line, Georgia being repeating Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State, like in the mix, Oklahoma, Texas, like all this budding and the Pac-12 is going to end. But you have Washington at the top of, you know, top of the of the, of the heap right now. Like, do you want this this for this football collision course to kind of have this this kind of this this albatross hanging on its neck, you know? going into the this this final four playoff for the last time before we move to 12 teams like do you really want that or do you just we're going to investigate let it go forward contact the other teams on the schedule whatever that's all been done will our investigation will let it ride until the season's over with then we'll do something then if Michigan doesn't win the national championship they can say okay well we're going to pull the wins from them we're going to pull the Big Ten title game from them. Like they could, they could, they could classify that nonsense, right? We talked about this with UNC and Tez Walker. Like, shouldn't he? Technically, he could go out there and play, and the NCAA just won't count those UNC wins, but the college football playoff will. You know, they'll consider it, and they could technically have have a record not recognized by the, by the NCAA, but still win the national title. Like UNC could do that. Michigan could do the same thing, right? Could I mean, they though? Couldn't the NCAA say no? You get no postseason games. Like right now, like say JMU runs the table and they finish number four. Not not going to happen. But this is a thought process because sure. they're ineligible for postseason play. Nothing the college football playoff committee could do. They're ineligible okay. by NCAA rules, so, right? So okay, that's how okay. I would read so, it. But I don't okay. know. Okay, so 
that brings up what we were talking about weeks ago, though. If Tez Walker were, if Mac Brown said screw it, let him play, we're doing it in protest. The NCAA could have said, okay, that's fine, but we're not letting you count these games here. See, that's different be though, because that wouldn't eligible. have stopped them from postseason eligibility. Okay. Right. It would have stopped the wins, but it wouldn't have stopped voters for still voting for them and college okay. football playoff committee from still ranking them. Right. Now this is different. But okay. if it's postseason ban. That's different because that's a bowl game, like all these things. You that's... really, but do you really think the NCAA would pull, put put those put those sanctions in place this fast in a few weeks? If they're this concerned about the integrity of the game, okay. Much like if they found out, you know, like half of Michigan starters were also betting on games they played in, sure. they'd be gone immediately, right? And that's an integrity of the game issue. Okay. If they're that serious about you know that part of it. I could certainly see that happening and then saying, no, you don't get any postseason play. You, can, uh, you, you were closer to the gambling scandal being in state than I, you know, than I had access to information I had to dig a little bit for. But how, from what you know, how, what was the window of the NCAA's involvement from the Took about two months. So two months, okay. Give or take. Yeah, because it was, so ten- they announced it end of June, beginning of June with the Big Ten baseball tournament was just about to start iowa pulled a bunch of their players and then they didn't announce punishments until august but that was affecting you know a not insignificant programs in iowa and iowa state but not national title contenders and certainly not you know championship you know postseason playoff like systems this is different so so for michigan it makes you wonder if Michigan State's been contacted this week by the NCAA to to make them aware of what's going on, you my question is, when did the NCAA find out and where, you know, let's just say they found out two weeks ago where Minnesota and Indiana contacted. Like we we don't know that, right? And I'm sure, but I'm sure that information will come out. Like when the MC, when when the NCAA was apprised of this situation. We probably won't get the full details of how, what was, what, what were they given, what information they were given, but we're, we can find out, like, hey, was this the first time, like, they contacted your team, or did they contact, let's just say this happened a few weeks ago, did they contact Indiana? Because if that does, that gives them uh, a runway to really start working on the investigation. Like, this could have been going on for quite a while. Like, we don't know how long they've been doing this, right? We'll, we'll, we'll hear more about it as the investigation goes on from quote unquote insiders, but. You're right. If if the NCAA were to give, ban them from the postseason, that's it for them, right? Why the hell would Michigan even play the rest of their games, though? Well, I mean, I mean, wouldn't be that much different than like I want to say, wasn't it in eighteen when Ohio State was ineligible? Oh, that's true. That's fair. And the LA finished eleven and one, had a great season, and that's really up that's to the fair. coaches getting being able to motivate their players. Um, yeah, but it just. I'm not sure. It's, it's definitely one of those mo like, well, that's really unprecedented situations. But it is, like I said, it, it, this is this is the second strike on Harbaugh within the same season. Like, I have a feeling the NCAA, and of course, people want to create drama out of it and say, oh, they're coming after him because you know he's talked shit about the SEC. Well, hold on, guys. Like, he's you know, Michigan's not even in the same conference. What are we doing here? Like, you know, if he, oh, we don't like his methods. Okay. Is it related to this or just his coaching style? Because he's a polarizing guy, man. Like he's he's not welcome in NFL circles because he's a bit of an asshole and people didn't like him. Players didn't like him in the NFL because he did have like 
very similar to Nick Saban. He was meant to be a college coach by his coaching philosophy. It, what what worked for him in college doesn't work for him in the NFL. Nick Saban was the same way, right? I can see that that being an issue, but apparently he really rubbed a lot of NFL people, the important NFL people, the wrong way, and they were very happy when he. It also doesn't hurt so, help. He's just weird, like as a he's person. He's a weird guy. He's a weird yeah, dude. Yeah, he is a weird guy. Yeah, he not is bad, but just weird. Yeah. So that's so, definitely a situation we'll be following up. I assume we'll have more yeah. updates by our week nine episode for next week. Um, yeah. So we'll stay tuned for that. Uh, Look, they have they have Penn State in three weeks, right? Yeah, we will definitely know by then. I think what the well, what I, the deal yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So. If not, if not before the season finale, uh, the regular season finale against Ohio State, we're gonna know something like what they're what the where the NCAA is leaning. We we have to know. Yes. Yeah. So one last bit of things for me, for us to talk about, and then we'll segue right into our Week 8 preview and picks. Um, yep. My team last week won a rivalry game to improve to 6-1. and one. The Hawkeyes went on the road to the Wisconsin Badgers up in Madison and took the Heartland Trophy back with them. Won two years in a row for the first time, I want to say, since like, is it 20? Is that 08, 09? Might have been, yeah, during the Bielema years. It was a long time. Ran the ball really well, rather efficiently, actually. Uh, didn't throw very well at all, only 37 yards. Torrey Taylor had 10 punts for a 50.6 average per punt, which is insane. Over 40% of his punts inside, I want to say six, was it four or six of the punts inside the 10-yard line, which is, that's the stat they should focus on, not the inside the 20. That's the diamond dozen stat. Give me inside the 10. I want to get those numbers because Torrey Taylor is that good. And it set off kind of a low-key firestorm among like kind of some of the national talking heads and college football podcast people where this the college football subreddit being the college football subreddit kind of took on its life of its own it's like did you guys realize iowa could go 11 and one and make the playoff entirely mocking tone nobody was being serious everyone including hawkeye fans know that's not even just remotely possible it's impossible it's just not gonna happen like and so we we all just went along with the joke most Iowa fans, we're in the acceptance stage of the fact that his offense, it's not getting better. And it can't. We have too many injuries right now. Down a quarterback, two starting tight ends, running backs in and out of the lineup. Nobody can stay healthy on offense. So it's not going to get any better. So we're just going to enjoy the wins and then the inevitable, you know, hand-wringing about the blowout loss in the Big Ten Championship game if it happens. And that's going to be our season. And we're cool with it. And that apparently pisses the hell out of so many people that cover college football. I want to say it was a it was the Cover 3 podcast, which generally I enjoy following, uh, but I think it was Bud Elliott was on that show. He said, then I was this collapsing team. It's like, no, dude, they're 6-1. That's like the opposite of collapsing. I think it was Joshua Perry on Watch Stadium who said, this is just not a serious football team. Like, okay, maybe not a serious third of a football team, but two-thirds of a very serious football team. So what the hell are we talking about here? I think it just pisses people off that Iowa is a good program that isn't even trying to be great. I think it just makes them mad. It is annoying and also amusing to me. But from the outside fusion to someone who's not an Iowa fan, what is your thoughts on that whole six and one Iowa maybe going eleven and one situation? I find it funny given the changes that are going to take place in the Big Ten next year with having the those those flashy teams like UCLA and USC join and you know. Michigan, Ohio State, they are the offensive dynamos of, of the Big Ten. And I was just puttering along in the West, right? They're like, hey, you don't mind us. I think I, I can see why people get frustrated because 
it's not the current model of college football, but if you were, which is funny to me because so many people are crying about the purity of the, the game of college football, all this stuff. I was going in an unconventional model, but it's like, but you're talking about the purity. 15 to 6, those were old fucking college football scores. Like Not even defense, that long ago. I... Defense, yeah, defense and punting. Even in the Big Ten for a long time, that was like when, when the Big 12 was the offensive dynamo, the Pac-12, the ACC were much more focused on offense. The Big Ten was still a defensive conference for a long, up until like the early 2000s, right? I mean, it's just, it cracks me up to think about this whole thing. And it's an unconventional approach to, to winning. When I, I say that out loud, what I mean by that is in the current space of college football, it's unconventional. What they're doing is they're winning with good defense, special teams, right? Okay. Like, I made a joke about this in, in the first couple of weeks of the season. Bill Parcells is probably a huge fucking fan of Iowa football, right? I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, punting and special teams and defense. Like, that's really – that's how that guy lived. His, he, he, his stats weren't based off of NFL, like sacks, interceptions – in offensive points, he was focused on yards per punt, you know, average position of the punt, average yards given up by the defense. That stuff was like Bill Parcells' like candy to him. That's what Iowa focuses on. Okay, I, I don't like it. Whatever, man. I just know it could be frustrating for you because you want you want the whole you want the whole enchilada, man. Not you even the, the whole enchilada. enchilada. I want the 99th best offense in the country. You okay, give us that, I was a college well, football playoff contender. I'm not, I'm not talking about that offensively. What I'm talking about is if you had a competent offense, you guys would be t- legitimately in the football, the playoff talk. Like oh, yeah. yeah every, almost every year. Yeah, if you had like just a middle of the road. Offense. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like if you just had a competent coordinator, if we had Ken O'Keefe from 10 years ago, I was in the, not just driver, maybe not driver's seat, but I was possibly undefeated possibly do you realize Penn State was a blowout but Texas State out in San Marcos has one of the top 15 offenses in the country and near the bottom is Iowa like I I, I'm not saying you guys would have the top yeah I do think the rankings are don't get me wrong like the yardage stats and everything is different but I Kirk I don't think is entirely wrong when he says I think he said in the preseason there was, you know, those like coaches media days, like, hey, what's your favorite song and stuff? They asked coaches, like, what's one, what's your most overrated stat? And everybody kind of clowned on him, but he's not wrong. Offensive yardage is overrated because you could put up six hundred fifty yards and lose by fourteen points. Right. You know, like the yards do not tell the story of a game. Like last week, fifteen six, they do not tell the story of that game. Iowa went up seven nothing, and it was over. Wisconsin had more first downs, more yards, like more of almost everything but points. And that's the stat that actually matters. Like, right. And also kind of that the eye test of like feeling the game as you watched it. Iowa was in control of that game. What? Whether with their starting quarterback or the backup, Wisconsin couldn't move the ball. Because Braylon Allen couldn't stay on the field. He'd have one great run and then get bob- bumped out of the game because he was dinged up. You know, it just, and Purdue, the, Purdue the week before, it was close at the end, but there was never any doubt Iowa won that game in the in the first quarter. Right. You know, so it's just an entirely different way, and a very old school way, I should say, of looking at football. And I do think it'll need to change. I don't think the AD is going to rehire Brian. I think most likely at this point, he's going to be demoted to offensive line coach. Abdul Hodge, I think, is our current TE coach, who's a former linebacker. Great. One of the ones like, what if, man, why didn't he work in the NFL kind of guys? 
He was with Chad Greenway back in that 05, 06 uh, right. Iowa team. And uh, he's a great tight ends coach. So maybe we don't need Brian to do that, but offensive line and they're like co-tight ends coach. And then you just go hire somebody. Go bring Drew Tate down from you and I. I don't care. Like just get a guy who can actually call plays because right now what we're doing does not work at all. It's very frustrating. But we're going to move on from the frustration to the f- to the future. We're going to talk week eight. We're going to start with Iowa because that's where we're at. It's okay. time for the Floyd of Rosedale. Which sto- Fusion, do you know the story of the Floyd of Rosedale? No. So it started uh, after Iowa and Minnesota got into it about having black players play. Uh, this was back in, the, I want to say it was the 1920s. I don't know if it was actually black players, but I know there was like some severe like fights, like people got hurt during games. And so like to keep the series alive and to kind of ease some tension, the governors publicly put up a bet of who would win the game. And I think Minnesota won the first one. Uh, they bet a live pig. That only lasted a year because think about the logistics of getting a live pig to and from Iowa City, especially in the 1920s. And so they eventually cast a 90 pound pig that they put on a trophy. And it's still the trophy they're using today. So the Floyd of Rosedale, the Floyd, I want to say Floyd was the pig name. And then Rosedale Farms was the, in Fort Dodge, Iowa is where the pig came from. And they have a whole thing on their farmstead outside of Fort Dodge right now, which is always a pretty cool story. And it's definitely one of the more unique trophies in college football because it's just a 90 pound fucking pig, dude. Like people have gotten hurt picking this thing up on the sidelines. It is heavy and awkward because like you can't grab the base. There's no handles on the side. You got to grab it basically by the pig. And that's not an easy shape to just pick up with 90 pounds from your chest up. Like, that's hard. I can't believe, oh God, it was a lineman. Was it, was it Scherf? Might have been. Like, he like really messed up his wrist picking it up because he like handled it wrong and tried to save it. It was like, it was a weird story, but a very Iowa thing to have happen during a rivalry game. Uh, I think Minnesota still has the as a 20-game lead in the all-time series stats. It might be only 10 now because they were a powerhouse back in the day. Like, they were an actual right. blue blood up until, like, the 60s. Right. And But very recently, Iowa's won 10 straight. Minnesota hasn't won uh, in Kinnick since 1999, Kirk's first season when they went when they had a one-win season. I don't think this one's going to be close, and this is one of our pick-em games. Uh, I reckon it's going to be close on paper but it's going to be like yeah it's over after this at halftime what what's your pick for this one i assume we're both picking um, iowa here I'm, I'm going with iowa because the going into the season we i thought that minnesota would have a, a, a better offense and they haven't been very impressive and they're they're the it. second worst power five offense only ahead of iowa yeah I but mean, our defense is way the, better you look at three they've lost three of their last four it's and it hasn't been pretty um yeah, I'm I'm taking Iowa in this one now. The the spread is three and a half. Um I'm gonna say and that's Vegas, man. They're such assholes with that. Dude, three it's and a half. it's thirty and a half for the over under. It's gonna break all the records. Right. And Iowa so, set yeah. those records last year and then won both games with the under hitting. So here's here's the thing though. This is a game that you really can go in and jump in on the prop bets like Who's going to catch, like, how many reception? Who, who will catch the most balls? Will it be a running back? Will it be a tight end? You know, like, I'm sure those stats will be out. Those prop bets will be out there. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think it's, it's Deacon Hill that's the quarterback now, right? Yep. Okay. I say he, 
He completed six passes two weeks ago. How many did he complete last week? Not very many, like 10 or It was six last week. Okay. Yeah, at Wisconsin. So, okay. And did he, he completed more in Purdue, before? but he had a okay. worse percentage. Okay. I say he throws eight completions this week, and but Iowa will still win. They'll cover that three and a half, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. They're not going to blow them away, but they'll cover the three and a half. Yeah, it'll be a five point win. Something yeah, something stupid. something dumb like that. They'll have maybe they'll have a safety. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Two weeks in a row with a safety sounds very yeah. Iowa. That that sounds very Iowa at this point. Yeah. All right. So our other games this week, we'll go through the rundown here, and then we'll give our picks sure. and our rationales. Starting the day, the big noon kickoff game, which is Penn State visiting Ohio State, going to the shoe. That's eleven a.m. on Fox. So what's your? Uh, I should say what's your bet on that one like you going not bet because we don't talk betting but what's your pick on penn state ohio state i think penn um, state's a little underrated nationally even though they are number seven i just i just don't see them going into the shoe and getting a win not with that offense it hasn't been that thing. good here's the thing they both you've we just you just talked about yardage but they both have technically middle of the road offenses but i think i i was ohio state has the has the weapons on offense right i think they're a little bit better offensively um but this is going to be a really good defensive game here because i was very surprised going into the season i wasn't expecting ohio state to be this good defensively and they're one of the top teams in the country top top 15 teams so is penn state in terms of defense i think this is going to be a smash mouth game my heart initially was like, hey, it feels like let's give it to the home team, four and a half point favorites. I have a feeling on this one. My, my gut's telling me Penn State's going to upset. They're gonna, it's going to come down to the final possession, and Penn State's going to kick a field goal to win it. That's how I feel. So I'm picking, the, I'm picking the Nittany Lions in this one. This one. Fair enough. For me, I go with Ohio State because I think yep. you said it's going to be mostly, not defensive stroke, it'll be in the high 20s, maybe low 30s for both teams. But it's right. going to come down to the big play. Like, who's going to break the one or two big plays we see? And I think that's more likely to be Ohio State, significantly so. Yeah. So my money's on them scoring either a late touchdown or putting the dagger in on a big play because eventually Penn State's defense is going to break at some point and give that up. I just don't think you can contain Ohio State for the whole game like that. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, Notre Dame showed you can, but that was early season. You know, McCord was still getting his feet under him as, as the QB. And it was a road game. This is a home game, different situation, conference, you know, driver's seats in, you know, in play here. So I, I think Ohio State's probably the pick for me. Okay, that's fair. I really think, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is obviously the, probably arguably the best wide receiver in the country. And it's hard to argue against Ohio State, but this was one of those where I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, something just tells me that, you know, Penn State's going to catch catch them a little off guard in the fourth quarter and they're going to win it man that's i just the, i feel like this just when i read it it feels like that's we need one of those top 10 teams like top 10 matchups where there's like a shocker there and i think it's would technically be a shocker because the spread's not huge but i think people aren't giving from what i've listened to this week people aren't really giving penn state enough uh, enough of a chance to win this game fair enough all right all right so our other 2.30 game, the Iowa-Minnesota game we already picked is a 2.30 on NBC. 2.30 on yep. CBS, SEC on CBS. You've got seventeen, number 17, Tennessee, visiting number 11, Alabama. Fusion, what's your take on that one? Uh, Alabama came uh, came back down to earth for a week, a little bit uh, this last week against Arkansas, but I think Alabama just has an incredible defense. Uh, 
I think Tennessee is playing a little over their heads right now. I'm picking the Tide to win this game. It's at home, man. It's in Tuscaloosa. Gonna, you know, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Alabama on this one. Yeah. Don't fault you at all. That's what I'm picking as well. I think the line I saw last was an Alabama nine at home, which makes sense. You know, Tennessee's still Tennessee's a good team, but Alabama's yeah. like a good team that could play into being great by season's end yep. if they start cleaning up some issues. And they've got Nick Saban, so I'm gonna go with them. Uh, I I think I think people were giving. I think people were giving Tennessee a little too much praise last week against the A&M. A&M is in disarray right now. They they're have been for a while. Yeah, they're, they are an absolute mess. And A&M There's a reason enough, they have not been on this board. Yep, A&M has enough talent to be competitive and catch someone off guard, but they're just they're, they're in total disarray from top to bottom right now. And I think people were, after that win, people were giving Tennessee a little too much hype, and they're going to go in and be they're gonna be they're gonna be brought back down to earth a bit by the tide this weekend yeah all right so our next one and this one i assume is another unanimous pick three o'clock kickoff on fox we've got number eight texas visiting houston i imagine we're both going texas pretty handily obviously this is this is in houston two and a half hours away from austin from what i've seen from the data it looks like this is going to be a very longhorn heavy crowd in that tiny stadium uh tdc i think uh, they hold like thirty five thousand people. Um, yeah, man, Texas is—they've got something to prove here. They're gonna—they've had a week of off to rest after that Oklahoma game. Like we've talked about it last week, um, this is an opportunity for Texas and Oklahoma. They, Oklahoma is 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 obviously above them in terms of control for the playoff. But hey, if Texas wins out the rest of the way and they face Oklahoma again in the Big Twelve title game, they could easily be in talks again for you know for a playoff spot and uh, especially if, if Alabama keeps rolling I, I think that's that that's going to help them tremendously um but yeah man this is going to get a little ugly here I'm not yeah I don't lie. think that one's going to be very we fun to about, watch after the halftime we talked about the U of H Hail Mary last week against West Virginia and that comeback win yeah the magic's gone it it's, happened yeah, this week it ain't happening against Texas guys I'm sorry you're not going to catch them off guard this is this Texas team has something to prove, and I think they're going to come out in. What's the spread on this game? Oh, shit. Uh, spread is 23-and-a-half uh, points on the road. Yeah. Texas covers that easily. Yep. yep. So our last game, before we get out of here, Infusion can go watch his Astros tie it up against the Rangers. Uh, we've got Clemson visiting Miami. It's a 7 o'clock kick on the ACC Network. I'm going Clemson. I think they're starting to figure things out, much like Alabama is as the season goes along. They've got the better in-game coach in Devo Sweeney because of Cristobal's, you know, just the clusterfuck with the kneel. And last week getting, you know, I don't want to say it was bludgeoned, but like, eh, maybe that's the right word against UNC in terms of what they, their defense got bludgeoned. Yeah. And I, I just don't see how they hold up to Clemson, even at home. So my money's on Clemson. Okay, man. Um, I hate to break it to you, but uh, Penn State, Ohio State is going to have to be your deciding game here for it to to gain some ground this week, man. Because I'm picking Clemson as well. I just, I don't know, man. I think I, I know Miami's back on the rebound, but I just, I think they're posers, man. I, I think they're pretenders, not posers. Pretenders is a better word. I think they're pretenders, man. I don't think they're re- they're there yet. And Crystal Ball is just, yeah, two weeks ago. That shit show of an ending of a game. It just, yeah. There's just when I impact. You gotta wonder how the players are feeling, like after that loss, and then they getting 
like Tennessee or not Tennessee, UNC just coming in and be like, "Yo, we're gonna we're giving you we're gonna give you the down the upside down you at and home and just roll you." Clemson's defense is big. They're fast, and I think they're hung. I think the team as a whole are hungry to get back into the top twenty-five, and this is where they this is where they get back in. They're gonna go in. They're gonna go into Miami, and they're going to stomp them. Clemson's a three-point favorite on the road uh, over at Hard Rock Stadium. I say they 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 bust the door. They 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 blow the doors off of Miami this week. I think they're easily attended. I think a easily a two-score win. Let's put it like that on the road. Yeah, yeah makes sense. I, I yeah. agree there. So our standings, speaking of making up ground, Fusion is currently in the lead with 24 picks correct so far. We don't do yeah. spreads or anything like that. We're doing just straight win-loss. Yeah. Um, I'm at 22. Eddie is also at 22. Gamma, Chris, our friend Chris, he's at 20. Uh, friend, our friend Shadow, he's at 20 as well. And then Ty, who hasn't, who only picked the last few weeks, is already up to 14. She had a 4-1 in week last week. She's she could easily so like if catch she has a couple four more weeks and we split games, she could catch up by season's end. It's possible. Well, obviously, if she ends up in the top three in the standings, she's going to get the wood burning man. I mean, yeah, if she if she can catch Eddie, yeah, it's possible because we didn't have a good week last week. Ah, uh, I mean, I I was right. I picked no wait. I was wrong. I picked Wisconsin. No. Okay, I so picked against Iowa. I'm not this week. Against, uh, I did. I did too. Um, here's the thing: is that I screwed up last week, man, and I'm embarrassed by this. I had told everybody I picked Mizzou over Kentucky. Yeah, I got you. I, I got it in my that. note sheet, and I meant to do that. But during the game, I logged in and I'm like, "Oh shit, something happened. I screwed up and accidentally picked Kentucky on the pick'em." So, you know, I could have had a much better week, but still, you know, whatever, man. I'm taking the loss. That's on me. I'm taking ownership for this shit. That's my fault. Yeah, take the responsibility I, like a proper head coach yeah. would. Right. I. You know what? This is on me. This is on me. This loss is on me, guys. I'm sorry. Like we're. I'm gonna figure things out, and I'm gonna do better. So I'm gonna be a better coach. I'm gonna do better. So yeah. We'll have to but do this... better in week nine because we're getting out of here. Fusion's got to go watch an Astros game. We'll be back to recap week eight, talk week nine picks. Next week, probably sometimes Wednesday or Thursday. So hit the subscribe, leave a review if you would like to, like the YouTube video, help that algorithm out as much as you can. And we'll see you next week.